Welcome to The Storytellers, the radio show and podcast that features those who choose to leave their mark on the world through the art of story. I'm your host, Grace Salmon. I look forward to our time together today. Now, let's meet our storyteller. Welcome to episode 95 of The Storytellers with Hannah Mary McKinnon. And she has a revenge list, which we will be talking about. It seems that a midlife crisis right about 2010 propelled her to become a best-selling author internationally with now seven books all in suspense behind her. And we're so excited to talk with her about her newest book, Revenge List. Hannah Mary, welcome to the Storyteller's Microphone. Thank you, Grace. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Well, I have so much fun listening to you on your uh, works with um, Hank Philippi Ryan on First Chapter Fun. Always a good time. Everyone I've talked to about you, you and I haven't had the pleasure to meet, say you're so much fun. So let's start out with why you have such a dark, sinister, and suspenseful side. <laughs> well, I've heard that that uh, crime authors are the nicest people, which is which is very lovely to be in that in that bucket. And maybe it's because we get our frustrations out on the page. Um, so we're then very happy otherwise. Um, but in all seriousness, I, I like, I really enjoy writing crime fiction because um, the characters generally are really quite complex and gritty. Not to say they're not in other genres too, they absolutely are. But I find it really, really fun and interesting to sometimes think like a criminal, I suppose, and what makes them tick. I find that highly interesting. Well, you do it with such um, wonderful banter and humor. I, I know that you teach a course on snappy dialogue. How did, <laughs> how did you get to snappy dialogue? You know, I, I love dialogue. That's one of the one of the things I really enjoy writing. And I know some some authors shy away from it. They find it a little odd. You know, does it sound right? Does it sound stilted? But I use it as a tool when I'm when I'm writing and, and plotting to 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 drive the the story forward um, because I can dispense with uh, lots of narrative and description and just focus on what these talking heads are saying. Um, and I think it was really one of my favorite authors, David Nichols, who has written a number of books, very funny books, but also very poignant and touching. Us was one of his uh, last ones. And his dialogue is masterful. He writes for, for film and TV as well. So I guess that's probably why. And it was re reading his books where I thought, wow, this dialogue is just so entertaining. How does he do that? Um, and it's been one of my favorite things to write ever since. You really do write wonderful dialogue. Uh, I was reading about some of your sinister characters, but was laughing all at the same time at, at your ability to do that. So you enjoy getting into that sinister dark side. And I read a little bit about how you came to becoming an international bestseller. Let's talk about your little midlife crisis and your pathway through many rejections. Very important for us to know about this. Yes. So uh, my writing career essentially was born from failure. We came to Canada. I started a company here and it, and it crashed and burned most spectacularly. Um, <laughs> within a year, it was dead and, 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 and buried. And I needed to do something else. And um, I'd worked corporate in Switzerland before we came here, had a very long career. 
in IT recruitment. But the idea of coming here was that I would do something else because I spent all of my time at the office, really. So my it was my husband who asked me if I could do anything, what I would do. And I half-heartedly answered, right. And he said, well, why don't you do that then? Because it's that simple. Um, but I did. And I think it was because of the failure, my my business failure, that really, really drove me to not fail again, because it was it was a horrible experience. And I didn't want that to happen again. So that's really what drove me um, to, to to writing and to do everything I possibly could to to make it a success. And I love that you continue, you take class, you've taken classes, you work with writing groups, you really focus on this as a career. Some of us who came to novel writing, at least I've written multiple books, but my novel as my last, I don't know that I took seriously the craft of writing and you very much do. I, I do. Um, funnily enough, just this morning, I signed up for a course through or a webinar through Sisters in Crime um, with Hallie Efron that I'm going to to um, join. And it's just I find it incredibly interesting to um, learn how, what other authors do and how they do it. And one of the things that I remember one of my my bosses saying to me during an appraisal, this is when I worked in, in IT recruitment, he said, you love being put into situations that you haven't been put in before. For example, opening a branch in Frankfurt. Didn't know how to do that, but I figured out how to do it. Doing the same thing in Holland, um, taking the company through due diligence when we were acquired. I didn't know how to do these things, but I knew people who knew and who could help me. And that's what I've been able to, to really copy paste into my author career. Um, I, Unfortunately, I don't know how to kill people. <laughs> you do it often. But I do it often, fictional characters. So I, I speak to um, detectives. I speak to uh, lawyers and to, for the revenge list, I spoke to people in uh, who work in emergency services to find out how these things will transpire. And I love that part because I get to talk to people but I also get to learn new stuff that I can then, you know, squirrel away for a future book. And I, I just love that part. It's I find it fascinating. So tell us about The Revenge List. It's novel number seven. It is. Here it is. Here's a copy. Novel number seven. These just in. Um, so novel number seven, it's about an anger management group therapy exercise gone terribly, terribly wrong. So it's it's. Frankie, who ends up in anger management following an altercation uh, with a client um, and her boss, who's also her dad, sends her or strongly suggests that she takes some anger management therapy. So she goes along thinking this is a complete waste of time and she's tasked with writing a forgiveness list. Starts off as a forgiveness list, a list of people who she feels have wronged her in the past and who she could, should work to forgive. Of course, Frankie doesn't want to forgive any of them because she hates them all. Um, and there's reasons why they have ended up on her forgiveness list. So when she loses this list in, she thinks, an Uber, maybe she's not exactly sure. She doesn't really think too much of it until one by one the 11 people on this originally forgiveness list start having, hmm, 
let's call them accidents um, of escalating nature. And she has a big problem because not only did she write the list, but she also put her own name on the list because her past self is the one person that she will never be able to forgive. So now she's in serious, serious trouble. Oh, I love this. I, I can't wait to get my hands on it. And, and you always like to write about messed up family situations as well, if I understand you, and as I read some of your other works. So you've I got do. that family dynamic in there as well. I do. Um, my family's not, not messed up. You know, my, 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 well, my mom has passed now, but my mom, my dad, my sister, we have a, a very good relationship. Um, but something happened in, in my past in, in uh, the early 90s my best friend was murdered by his dad. And um, it was a whole thing. It wasn't just my best friend who was murdered. It was a whole a whole situation. And for many years after that, I did not read crime. I used to as a teen, but when that happened, I just couldn't, I just couldn't read it. I didn't touch it for years and years until I realized that, hey, I can actually write some wrongs and I can deal with what happened and, and draw on that and write about these messed up family dynamics because because there are many and they're not going away and and there are some in my own extended family too, um, so it it it's a form of dealing with stuff that happened I think, um, but also in a way a cautionary tale of what can happen if we don't treat each other well and communicate with one another the way we really should. Well, that's I in all of my research coming up today, I had not uncovered that. So thank you for sharing that important piece of your writing story mm -hmm. uh, with us um, in the reviews that I've read of your work. And I would echo them. You know, you they say that you're flexible, you're brilliant. All of your bits are perfect. Such a British oh. English comment to say. And it says that you check all of the boxes that anybody wants to see in a suspense. But is your writing formulaic? I don't think so. It doesn't have that feel to it. I hope not. Um, I mean, every for me, every story is is different and, and fresh. And I, I, I spend a lot of time plotting and thinking about my characters and developing my characters, interviewing my characters, as, as funny as that sounds, and creating their backstories so that when they are when I start chapter one, I, I know not completely and entirely because you can't I can't know everything but as I plot, but I have a better understanding of who they are. And I do try and, and keep things fresh and, and there's a formula to my plotting, yes, um, because that helps me write one or two books a year. Um, but I, I hope my stories aren't formulate because each one has been different. So I, I, I would hope not. <laughs> No, very different, but I would think, I mean, perhaps the secret there is that you are quite the outliner. Yes, yes, I am. I do. I have a whole process, which which I teach as well, actually. I mean, every person will take what they what they want and then adapt it as they wish. Um, but I do have a, um, a method for plotting, which is basically a mix between Save the Cat mm -hmm. uh, and also Plotstormers from writers.co. Uh, UK, writershq.co.uk. I knew there was something wrong there. They have a wonderful course that takes you from idea to outline in, in six weeks. And I put those two together with what has worked for me over the past seven novels. And I, I outline, um, I mentioned I interview my characters, 
I think about their backstories, and then I really break down my plot into 30 initial chapters, which then will become, you know, maybe 45, maybe 28. It just depends on, on the book. Um, and then I start writing and, and I have a word count target per day uh, or per, per chapter at least. And I always write up. So I know some authors who will write 120,000 words and cut it down to 90. Mm -hmm. I, I don't do that. <laughs> I tend to write about 60,000 words. And then as I go over the manuscript again and again, it automatically reaches about 1995. So I, I tend to add 50% of my word count on top as I'm editing and, and, you know, adding narrative and emotion and all that and building it around the dialogue parts that I've already written. So it is, yeah, it's very structured. I, I plot before I write. Some people plot as they write. I just, I just happen to need a map so I know where I'm going. Oh, I, I love that. And I love that you interview your characters. One of my favorite pieces of writing when I was asked uh, on a blog post to interview one of my characters after the book had launched. And I hadn't been with her in so long. And just oh. to sit down across a cup of coffee, I, yeah. I felt she was more real to me than perhaps she had even been throughout the novel. So that, that's something I had not done and will always do from here on out. Yeah. Don't they become part of you? You know, you, you think that they, they could walk in through the door and you go oh hi whatever oh, their name is and absolutely and so i'm so glad that you shared that as well um you talked about writing two books a year hmm. is that tremendous pressure yes <laughs> yes 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 it has been so um I haven't always done that. This is this is a new thing. This is last year um, for publication this year in 2023, and then this year for publication in in 2024. So it is, it it. I thought one book a year was was a fair clip until I got into the rhythm, and I thought, yeah, I, I could do more. Well, it's it's fast, and some I, I, people write three or four, and I have no idea how they do that. I just, I have no idea either. I, I don't know. Um, so we've talked about your dark side. Mm -hmm. You also have an alter ego. I do. Could you switch to Holly Cassidy for a moment? Yes. Yeah. I should have a Christmas hat. So should Holly we just Cass change your name tag down at the bottom too, Hannah Mary to <laughs> Holly Cassidy? Yeah, I should do. So Holly Cassidy, um, I'm releasing the Christmas wager as Holly Cassidy. Oh my goodness. Holly Cassidy via Putnam uh, and Penguin Random House Canada. That's on September 26th. So this is completely different. If you look at the, the cover for the Christmas wager, it's cute. It's it's an illustration. It's it's lighthearted. And this is a holiday romantic comedy that takes place in the fictional town of Maple Falls in, in uh, the Colorado mountains. And it features Bella, who's originally from Canada, where I live. Um, who now lives in L.A. and she's in real estate and she's tasked with going to the small town of Maple Falls to acquire a failing Christmas store, the building in which there is a failing Christmas store called Always Noel, run by a gentleman called Clarence. Should be a slam dunk, should be easy, except hunky electrician Jesse steps in my husband's an electrician, there's a fun fact. Um, he steps in and he says, no, Bella, you're not buying this uh, building at rock bottom price. 
and they enter into the Christmas wager because every year in Maple Falls, um, a very quaint and funny town, they have these annual Christmas games. But they're organized by the seniors club called the Meriatrix, who like to make things really rather twisty. So a baking challenge isn't just any baking challenge. Um, a riding down, a sledding race isn't just any sledding race. You know, they always make things very difficult, well, difficult, twisty. And so Bella and Jesse enter into the holiday games on different teams. And the winner will be able to dictate the price at which the building that houses all no always Noel will be sold. But they might get more than just the wager they bargained for. Oh, I, this is going to be so much fun. Um, and I love that you have the character Clarence um, stolen from the other Christmas story. Uh, Actually stolen from my uh, father-in-law. His name is, is he goes by Gilbert, but his, his, his first name is Clarence. And my mother-in-law is called Jeanette. And I have a Clarence and a Jeanette in the book in honor of them. <laughs> it's fun to put those little Easter eggs in our it stories, is. isn't it? It really is. Uh, so where do you see your future lying, Hannah Mary, more dark and sinister or more rom-com? Do you know, I would like to do both because uh, what I found was when I finished The Christmas Wager last year and it was time to write my next thriller, which publishes in 2024, um, and it's, the, the next thriller is about the, the rise and violent demise of an all-female pop rock group. And I think it's probably my most murdery and my darkest book. And then when I'd finished that one, I'm now working on my Christmas book for 2024. And it's so lovely to write something so light. Nobody dies. People fall in love. And it's just it's just such a great balance to do. So I, I hope I'll, I'll continue doing both. You'll heal both sides of your soul with. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, but by the time I've finished the rom-com, I'm ready to murder fictional people again. It's okay, okay, enough of the lovey stuff. Let me kill people again, fictional oh. people. Let's switch just for the few minutes that we have left with Hank Philippi Ryan. You do a wonderful uh, gig over on Facebook, First Chapter Fun. Tell us a little bit about that and what you've learned from it. First Chapter Fun um, is, as the name would imply, a place where Hank and I read the first chapter of a different book, not ours, only only when ours release, um, we'll read a chapter of ours. So it's every Tuesday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern on Facebook and Instagram simultaneously, um, First Chapter Fun. And it's been it's been incredible. We've done over three, well over 300 episodes now, well over 300 books. And I think what has stood out for me is the importance of the first, I was going to say the first chapter, but it's actually actually shorter than that. It's really the first couple of paragraphs, the first page, um, because people now, you might be in a bookstore, you go on Amazon, you go on to um, look inside, the look inside feature, and you might read the first page and think, yeah, this is great, or no, nah, it's not for me. Um, so it's it's just been incredible to help other authors and read their work and read it out loud because I find by reading it out loud you really really get a good grip of, of of how this will come across and it's been completely fascinating because we read across genres so it's been inspirational and exciting and highly entertaining 
You are a lot of fun for someone who kills people so often. <laughs> uh, and I think your point is so important. You know, when I was writing my novel, The Eves, uh, I knew that I was doing something wrong and I sent it off to a fellow author. And she said, chapter three needs to be chapter one. Nobody is ever going to make it oh. to chapter three. And of course that entailed much rewriting, but I think it's such an important thing. And I love that you bring so much fun to this work, Hannah Mary McKinnon. McKinnon. And you have The Revenge List, which is out. You've got six other novels. In September, you are going to have The Christmas Wager, written by Holly Cassidy. Holly Cassidy. <laughs> Hannah Mary, thank you for being with me here on The Storytellers. Thank you, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. This has been a copyrighted episode of The Storytellers by Grace Salmon and Authors on the Air, Global Radio Network. That concludes this episode of The Storytellers. I'm so glad you could be part of the story today. I hope you share the stories, tell your own, and come back for another episode. Because when our stories are told, everything changes. I'm Grace Salmon. <laughs>